Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am speaking with Susan Sutherland of Just Mary about wedding trends we'd like to see disappear. And this is a really fun article that Susan has been working on for Perfect Wedding Guide that I thought you guys would love to hear her thoughts on this because we've all seen the things that we're like, oh my gosh, that again, every single wedding has that. Or traditions that their origins are kind of creepy or just things that they had their moment and that moment is no longer here. So Susan has polled both professionals who work in the wedding industry and brides and grooms and prospective brides and grooms. So we'll get a nice well-rounded take on some of these topics. Welcome, Susan. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. First, can you tell my listeners a little bit about Just Mary and the services you provide? Sure. We're a wedding planning company, and we work with clients from all around the world who come to Central Florida to get married. Some of our brides get married on uh, some of the Disney Good Neighbor properties, as well as Universal Orlando Resort, and various properties all over the city of Orlando. And we also travel with our clients, so we've planned weddings worldwide. That's awesome. And you've been doing this for 14 years now? Oh my goodness, no, since 1992. I think we're creeping up on, what, 23, 24 years? Wow, that's awesome. So you probably have a lot of experience with some of these trends we're going to talk about. <laughs> yes, I do. And and oddly enough, some of them were there a long, long time ago and came back and now we're pushing them out the door again. So That's interesting. Okay. Well, now the first one at the top of the list that you heard mostly from brides and grooms was getting rid of the tradition of having an even number of bridesmaids and groomsmen. I know a lot of brides stress out about this. I only have three friends and he has five. What's it going to look like? Exactly. And that's something that, you know, it just doesn't make sense to worry about having even numbers because some of us have more friends than others or more people who we need to honor. Or I've had clients who've had three and four brothers and sisters. And I should say along with that note, even keeping the same sex on either side so that all the guys don't have to be, don't have to have groomsmen and all the brides don't have to have all women as bridesmaids. So kind of shaking up the whole bridesmaids groomsmen tradition. Agreed. And any designer or photographer or floral artist will tell you that things look better in odd numbers anyway. So absolutely. Now, the next one on the list was interesting because this is one that it's one of those ancient traditions that if you go back and you read why it started, it will really creep you out. And that is the garter toss. Yeah, lots of controversy with that. And it's interesting because it came from both the couples and the wedding professionals that I polled. And, you know, for me too, when I'm standing there at a client's wedding, this gorgeous, elegant event, and the bride all of a sudden sits down in a chair and her grandma's standing there and the groom dives under her dress and pulls <laughs> a garter off with her teeth. It's just, it is creepy. It, it makes me really uneasy. And then 
what happens that's worse is that then the woman who catches the bouquet is probably a cousin or a sister or something of the gentleman who catches the garter. And suddenly he's trying to put this garter up on her leg. It's it's all strange stuff. <laughs> but you mentioned that some of the couples you talked to and also the professionals had some interesting alternatives with the bouquet. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, because some of them didn't think the bouquet toss was that great either, because here we're, we're humiliating all the single women to hop up on the dance floor and, and catch this bouquet. But some said it's really nice if the bride tosses it on her way out the door and then whomever catches it, catches it. But one that's really sweet is doing a longest married dance. And it's when every couple gets up on the dance floor and the DJ will say, okay, anyone who's been married for less than five hours, you know, step to the side. And then he does a year, five years, 10 years, 15, you know, on up. And sometimes I I remember one wedding we did, we got all the way up to 60 years. They were married and it was uh, the bride's grandparents. And then that's who we give the bouquet to. And it's it's just really sweet, a nice way to honor marriage. I like that. Yeah. And also uh, not having a bouquet toss might be good for people who, in many cases, brides don't want to give away their bouquet, and so then they have to pay for an extra bouquet just to toss it. So that would be, yeah, that would solve that problem. Okay, the next one is interesting. Bachelor and bachelorette parties the night before the wedding. Yeah, I thought this was interesting because the the nearlyweds, the couples are the ones who brought that up. And I haven't seen that too much. I I have throughout my career have seen some uh, brides and grooms who were a little peaked from whatever celebration they had the night before. But I think the idea is that the couples want to see the bride and groom be fresh and well rested and not out having some raucous wild time the night before the wedding. Right, you're right. That just pretty much makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. So number four was interesting because I've talked to a lot of DJs and many of them will tell you one of the surefire ways to get people on the dance floor at a wedding that's kind of hit a lull is group dances. But on your list, a lot of the nearlyweds said no more group dances. That's right. They said, you know, one of them, it was quite funny, said, please put the electric slide back in the 70s, although I don't think it was 70s. I thought it was more like 80s or 90s, but said, please put that stuff back in the 70s where it belongs. And and the consensus was a really good DJ, MC, band leader can get people out on the dance floor no matter what, and they didn't have to resort to having these group dances and trying to teach people how to do them. Unless it was something that's part of a family or religious tradition like the Hora or the Tarantella. Those, those they said were great and should be kept. That's interesting. Okay, so number five. This is a huge pet peeve of mine also. People are saying no more cake smashing. I mean, if it's not already patently obvious how hostile it is to smash cake into the face of the person you just married, there are now surveys apparently that say that couples who smash cake into each other's faces have a higher chance of getting divorced than couples who don't. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Someone brought that up to me as well. I have not personally read those studies, but I don't know. I kind of feel like people could think that's all in good fun. But frankly, if I'm all made up in my beautiful gown and I've done my hair and my makeup and I want to look my best the rest of the evening, I'm going to be pretty upset if my uh, new husband smashes cake in my face. So I'm happy to see that one go as well. Exactly. And yeah, even if you know you're joking, like you say, it's going to mess up your makeup and you paid a bunch of money for that makeup. So That's right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, number six is interesting. Uh, couples were saying that they think we should do away with the receiving line. And I know that it's still recommended for large weddings where there's no possible way you're going to get to eat your dinner if you spend the entire reception going to every single table to meet every single person. And so the reception line is seen as sort of a way to expedite that process. But here brides are saying, nope, no more reception lines. Yeah, I mean, honestly, from an operations perspective, like from my point of view, the receiving line takes a long time. Think about it. If you have 300 guests and you only talk to them for 15 seconds apiece, I think we're still into like an hour of getting through this receiving line. It can really be a time-consuming thing. Personally, I think that even the bride and groom going around the reception table to table and hitting an entire table at one time, thanking them for being there is more efficient. And it also allows everyone to get to the cocktail party, the bride and groom to get photos done, and perhaps they can join the cocktail party. So ending the receiving line would not be a disappointment to me. That's interesting. Yeah, so what are your tips as a planner for a couple who does have a huge guest list and they don't want to be the people who are like, I never tasted my wedding meal. I never got a piece of cake because they were too busy talking to everybody. Is there a way to expedite it? Yeah, one of the the best things I can say is that the bride and groom go table to table because even if you have 300 guests, we're talking about maybe 30 tables and you can just give a general thank you to everyone that way. Um, Also, I've had DJs before where at the end of the evening, they have all the guests gather around. Of course, you know we've lost sun by that point. But the guests gather around on the dance floor in a circle around the bride and groom. The bride and groom have the last dance in the center. And then everyone scoots in and gives them all a group hug. And I thought that was kind of sweet when I saw that as well. Oh, I like that idea. Okay, number seven. This one is so decade-specific. This is something we've seen in every magazine for at least the last 10 years. No more burlap and mason jars. <laughs> yes, and I got such a chuckle because the professionals who chimed in on this, I mean, it was one after another after another. And it was interesting because the brides are the one who brought it up to begin with. So no more burlap and no more mason jars. That's funny. I, I wonder what the next trend like that will be because it really just took hold in this idea. I think maybe because it's also inexpensive. Expensive. <laughs> um, it could be. It was why it was so popular. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what 10 years from now we're talking about is no more X, Y, and Z at weddings. And no doubt it's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't have a prediction just yet because, uh, you know, we're, we're actually seeing such a return to elegance and kind of more formal looking centerpieces. So definitely moving away from the vintage look and coming up with um, certainly wild flowery looks so that it's not specifically structured, like we've seen tight balls and we've seen square things, but definitely moving away from that country mason jar look. That's interesting. And I'm trying to think about what was the cliche before burlap and mason jars. I know, I remember seeing a lot of girls about 10 years ago saying, no Jordan almonds. That was their big Oh thing. yeah, that's for sure. And and favors in general, I've, I've seen have taken a big hit. I don't see them as often in the weddings anymore. So maybe that's that was what was before. That's interesting because, yeah, I agree. It seems like everybody I talk to has never been to a wedding where they got a favor that was like a thing that they took home and they cherished and they used every day. Unless it's food, it's probably something you're going to leave behind or forget about. Yeah, and it's interesting. Years and years ago, I did a wedding 
And it was probably only about 50 guests, but they got Armani figurines for everybody. So each of those favors must have been a hundred and some odd dollars. And I thought, wow, that is really an interesting use of the wedding budget. (laughs) Right, right. And just assuming that's going to be their taste. That's interesting. Exactly. Because while I love an Armani figure, I'm going to guess a lot of those people do not still have those things displayed in their houses eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Number eight. I like this one. So one of the trends that's going by the wayside is refusing to see each other before the wedding. Yeah. And I, you know, it's interesting that I've seen it going away, but I would say 30% of my brides and grooms still feel this way. It's puzzling to me because they live together. So It's no surprise who they're marrying, but it's so nice when you get to do the first look. I think that's such a private, personal moment, and you get beautiful photos. The photographer has time with you, and I just think they're the most romantic photos, but I will say that I have gotten very emotional myself standing at the back of a ceremony watching the groom as he glances up at the bride the first time, so... I guess it's a very sweet tradition, but from a preserving the moment forever, I just really like the first look. Yeah, and this is something that's huge for me. I did an entire podcast episode about doing a first look, which for those of you who are not familiar, it means that you and your spouse meet before the ceremony with just the photographers on hand to capture your first look at each other. And I have to say that I even interviewed a groom because it seems like most of the time it's mothers of the bride and grooms who are against the first look. But there are actually grooms out there who will acknowledge that it was better to have a first look. Because a lot of times when you're at the altar, you're like a deer in the headlights. And if you're as vocal a couple as my husband and I are, when you see each other for this first time, you want to talk to each other and tell each other how great you look and how excited you are about your wedding. And when you're in the middle of the ceremony, you can't do any of that. It's almost like you know, the bad old days when they were marrying off two people who didn't know each other. And they the reason they couldn't see each other beforehand was so one of them wouldn't hightail it out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That is so true. And I'll let you in on another little secret. One of my close friends who's a videographer talks about how he edits the video. And he very often gets a comment that says, oh, my gosh, look how you captured the groom's face when he was looking at the bride. And he shared with me that he was usually inserting the clip of when the groom was looking at the flower girl, because he had this big expression on his face. By the time it was time for the bride to go down the aisle, they were usually so tense and anxious that it wasn't that same great look that he got when they were looking at the flower girl. That is awesome. My goodness, what a funny thing. (laughs) Insider tricks. That's right. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, speaking of wedding parties, number nine is no more big wedding parties. Yeah, and interestingly enough, the the couples were saying that they want to see smaller wedding parties. The professionals said they want to see smaller wedding parties. Yet lately, I've been seeing a trend of larger wedding parties. So I, I don't know what to say about this. I think it's, uh, as with everything else, a personal decision. From a logistics standpoint, I love a small wedding party. But you know, what can you do? Yeah, maybe it's all these brides who have been forced to be bridesmaids for their friends and now they're getting payback. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because honestly, I don't know anybody who's ever been like, oh my God, I was so excited to be in that person's wedding. I loved having to pay all that money for a dress I'll never wear again and hair and makeup and flying all that way out there. Most people I think would be relieved not to have to be in a bridal party. I I think that's kind of true, especially since the generation of brides that's out there now, the millennials, they have so many close friends and they can be in, you know, eight or nine weddings in the two years surrounding their own wedding. So I can't even imagine what their closets look like. (laughs) Wow. 
Okay, number 10. And this one I think you said was both brides and grooms and professionals. No more dollar dance. Maybe you can describe for some of my listeners who don't know what a dollar dance is, what that is. Yeah, the dollar dance is a dance whereby the best man and the maid of honor hold a little bag and guests have to pay some token of cash to each of those bags in order to have a dance with either the bride and groom. And it's really nice. I mean, some of my clients who've done it in the past have collected significant amounts of cash for their honeymoon. But both the brides and the professionals said, look, unless it's really a tradition in your family, and I do believe it is a Polish traditional wedding dance, that it just looks tacky. You know, these people have already spent money on a gift. They've spent money to come be at your wedding. You know, don't don't force me to spend money or embarrass you by having no one in line ready to dance with you. <laughs> Shake them down for the last nickel in their pocket. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> okay, number 11. Now, this was interesting. You said this was from the professionals you spoke with. Number 11 was no more following Pinterest to the letter. Yes, I find that um, the professionals are, are so frustrated because couples are bringing to them images and saying, I want exactly that. Well, it may not be feasible in their area due to, I don't know, seasonality of what's available floral-wise. It may be ridiculously out of the budget of what these brides are bringing in. But beyond that, it's not allowing them to be creative. It's not allowing them to sit with the couple and say, hey, what do we want this to look like? What have you always dreamed about? What's the atmosphere going to be? And you'll have them create some signature that's specific to them. They just don't want to have to constantly be following exactly what someone else has done. So use it for inspiration, but then work on making something that's uniquely your own. Definitely. And a lot of the Disney brides I've spoken to who have used Disney floral have mentioned, it seems like the ones who brought Disney floral a specific photo of something they wanted, oftentimes they're disappointed because the flower color isn't right or the type isn't right or they didn't interpret it the way they exactly wanted it. And the ones who are the happiest are the ones who just said, make it pink or, you know, I like hydrangeas. And it kind of gave Disney floral the opportunity to run with the idea. Exactly. And it is so hard. You know, think about it too. Some of these photos that wind up on Pinterest, they could be lit specifically. Some of them I've seen have been done, you know, specifically for photo shoots. So Lord knows how long it took them to get those images. Also, temperature wise, what worked well at a wedding you know, maybe in Disneyland in California, when you hit the humidity in Central Florida, the flowers are not going to look the same. So it's it's an opportunity for all sorts of disappointment. Interesting. Speaking of disappointment, number 12 on the list from the professionals is no more stressed out DIY brides. Yes, it's no joke. We have brides who come to us who have been crafting and crafting and crafting. We will get buckets and bins and everything else to display things. And and I will say some of them totally taken in stride. They have a great time doing it. And we're happy to, you know, help them display the things that they've done. But others are just exhausted, overwrought. Some of them aren't as crafty as others. And so things don't look, you know, we've all seen the, the Pinterest fails out there. You know, some <laughs> of them don't look so good. But beyond the those simple things, having relatives provide services for them or friends provide services for them. I think it's all in the same ilk. And they said, you know, we've seen friendships lost over 
mishandled wedding arrangements that they've had friends or relatives do. We've seen photographs not come out because something happened to the equipment and it wasn't a professional who was able to figure out how to fix things. So there's definitely a darker side to the DIY. It's not just wedding professionals wanting to get paid money. It, it goes beyond that. No, I agree. And I've been to enough weddings where, you know, the college buddy who was running the bar ran out of everything. And people who were guests at the wedding were expected to clean up at the end that there's a reason you pay professionals to do this stuff. <laughs> and it's exactly. because your guests are guests and they need to just enjoy the event. Exactly. Okay, number 13 is another one that's near and dear to my heart, and that is, please can we stop with the smartphones and tablets coming out for every single earth-shattering moment during the entire ceremony and blocking the view of the actual professional who you have paid to capture photos? Exactly. We have photographers send us photos all the time of the important shots, the exchange of the rings, the vows, the kiss, and they couldn't get the shot without having all sorts of arms and tablets and cell phones in their way. And so that's frustrating because, you know, the bride and groom have paid a lot of money to get these images and they're disappointing when you see all that clutter in the shot. But beyond that, somehow we've lost people being actually involved in the moment. I mean, can anybody remember what it was like before social media when you went to a wedding and you got to actually participate and feel it and, and be moved by it as opposed to worrying about getting a shot and getting it up on the internet? And so that's why we'd really like to see those smartphones and tablets go away. I agree. And I know that feeling. I've been a guest at a wedding and thought, oh, I need to get a good shot of the bride to put on Twitter. And then I'm like, what am I doing? She's going to have a great shot in 24 hours, a preview from her photographer. I need to be here enjoying it, listening to the ceremony that they worked so hard to craft with the officiant, instead of just, like you say, worrying about getting the best shot from the eighth row behind a guy who's, you know, seven feet tall. Right. And I actually have had a few weddings where they've had baskets where they've asked people to check in their devices on their way in. And I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah. Or even just nice signs that say, you know, keep them turned off or whatever. There are clever ways to do it. I think you can probably find some on uh, Etsy. <laughs> oh, just a few. <laughs> Um, number 14 was interesting because you don't see these a lot at Disney's fairytale weddings, but they are chocolate fountains. Yes. And this, of course, was something that the professionals said. They found them way too messy. The risk of getting splattered, uh, especially by the bride on her beautiful gown, was too high. In Florida, practically speaking, we're so full of bugs and insects. If you're going to be outside doing a dessert party, that is the last thing. I mean, bugs and chocolate don't mix. Well, maybe they do for some, but <laughs> I don't prefer it. It's just there are so many nicer ways to present chocolate-dipped fruit and just the fountains need to go. Yeah, yeah. I just thinking about the amount of bugs that could be in there just grosses me out. <laughs> okay, number 15 was interesting. From the professionals, some of them said that one of the traditions that needs to go is tiaras for the bride. Yes, I know. And I, I'm sure there are brides out there currently rioting over <laughs> the mere <laughs> suggestion to get rid of tiaras, especially those who are favoring a fairy tale wedding and want to have their moment as a princess. But, you know, really, the trend now is fresh flowers in the hair or simple combs. So the tiaras, uh, the pros say they've seen enough of them. I am sure they will be coming back again in style. But for now, they're saying, let go of the tiaras. <laughs> uh, number 16 is interesting. Too many orchestrated events at the wedding. 
Yes, most of the DJs and the and the MCs and band leaders that I work with said that the most successful weddings were the ones that let the guests dance and have fun without having to be stopped over and over again. So that's not to say dismiss all the traditions or even any of the traditions, but do them in such a way so they all get taken care of and then there can be just fun and dancing. I know the brides mentioned making sure we have control over the timing of the toast, that there's not someone up there talking, talking, talking for, you know, hours about uh, inside jokes and things that most of the guests won't find interesting or, or even understand. So definitely paying attention to how many orchestrated events there are. That's interesting. And I also see this a lot with Disney brides who don't have DJs, where they think, oh my gosh, I don't have a DJ. My guests are going to be so bored. They're just going to be sitting there staring at each other. I have to have a caricature artist and a balloon animal guy and a face painter. And also maybe we should have a magician. And It's interesting because a lot of these people, either they have never met each other because they're from different sides of the family, or they are from the same side and they haven't seen each other in ages. They're just going to want to catch up. I mean, people still do love to chat with each other and learn about the other side of the family. So I think this idea that people have to be entertained every single second of the reception is it just doesn't hold true. That's absolutely right. And I think that we're so used to being entertained all the time. And I I hate to pick on smartphones because I do, I have a special affection for my iPhone. There's no doubt about it. But there is something being lost about just relating with people and not having to have shiny lights and things, you know, keeping you busy all the time. And so it's just not necessary. People can just be together. Right, right. And then the last one I thought was interesting was don't do anything that doesn't feel authentic to you as a couple. That's right. And I thought that was really sweet. And this is something the professional said. So with all of us in the wedding industry who love to give great advice and tell everyone what's in and what you should be doing, the bottom line is it's about the bride and groom. So if you love tiaras, wear three of them. Absolutely. And if you love mason jars and burlap, regardless of what anybody says, you have mason jars and burlap. While it's nice to know what's current and what's the trend and what's in and what's out, The bottom line is the wedding should be a reflection of the couple and nothing should stand in the way of doing that. That's it. I'm getting a burlap tiara for my vow renewal. (laughs) Absolutely. I can't wait to see it. You better send me photos. (laughs) Well, Susan, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been really insightful and fun. And it's interesting to get a pulse of what professionals think about the trends today and what other brides and grooms think. So I really appreciate your taking the time to be on the show. Well, it was a pleasure. I'm always thrilled to be here, and I'm looking forward to bringing you some more brilliant stuff in the near future. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com/weddings.asp or in print at passporter.com and amazon.com. <laughs>